0: Option A, option B, you can walk wise or you can walk foolishly. Verse 16, the Bible goes on to say, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, I want us to look at this text today, and I want us to look at it and see how it can answer the question of how can I make the most Of 2016 and if you have your notes nearby, I want you to make your way through this outline with me today And uh, if you're here to be helped and encouraged and taught from the word of god I can assure you that if you invest your heart in this message that can happen And this is a good message today. Not because i'm the messenger It's a good message today because as you'll see we're going to literally march through these verses and see what god has for us From his word so if we have a heart to learn, we will be helped today. Our Father, we praise you for who you are, and we thank you for what you do. And I pray that this morning that this study would be helpful, an encouraging one. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us today to make some decisions that would have an impact on the year ahead of us. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Anytime you enter into a new year, there are questions that people like to ask. And the questions that we hear today that are being asked have to do with what's the stock market going to do in 2016. It was a little bit of a disappointment this year. And people are wondering, what is the stock market going to do next year? Next year, we have a question to answer as a nation. The question would be, who will our next president be? That's a question people are, are asking and things that people are wondering about. We might wonder, what is ISIS up to? We might wonder, what's, what's the Soviet Union's aggressive aggressive stance in Crimea and Ukraine and things? What does that mean for us as Americans? What does the buildup of China's Navy mean? And, and these are questions people are asking. We could wonder, is inflation going to finally kick in in a greater way? We might wonder, uh, what will interest rates do? Now, the questions could go on And on. But there are some answers from God's Word that can allow us to flourish, come that may. I'm saying that although there are variables and we have no idea what all will happen in the course of this next year, there are some truths from the Word of God that, come what may, can enable us and allow us to prosper and to go forward in our lives. For God, we can get what we need from the Lord as He enables us to do His will, to live lives that are pleasing to Him. I'm talking today about daily plans in our lives where we can lead one day into the next so that in the course of a week we can accomplish what God wants done in a week. And as we put a few weeks together, we can get a month under our belt, so to speak, where we will have lived for God in the course of that month. And you put the months together and we'll then have a year that we can look back on and say in in sincerity before the Lord, God, I've sought to live this year for you. An accidental journey is the journey of foolishness, but an accurate journey is speaks of the wisdom of knowing where it is that we need to go and the diligence to stay on the path that will lead to that destination. And so as we look to the Word of God today, we see some truths emerge that can enable us in, in the process of, of uh, entering into a new year. Uh, so what, what is it that needs to be done? I, I want us to look to the passage today and see that we need to take wise steps. We need to take wise steps. So the Bible says in in verse 15, the Bible says, walk circumspectly, not as fools. But as wise. Circumspectly. Sometimes I like to look at words, and, and uh, most of our English words, you could trace them back to uh, Latin origin, and, and we see circ, and we could think of circle, and we see specs, and I think of spectacles, all right? So we've got a circle and, 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 and a word that makes us think of looking. And the Bible is saying here you need to live life in a way in which you're looking around, you're looking around, your eyes are open. It means to walk with accuracy and according to plan. It's, it's a contrast here of living like a fool or a wise person. I mentioned that as we read the text because I want you to know that really is the option from God's perspective. He says you can live this life in great wisdom, wisdom that comes from God, or you can live it with conventional wisdom that comes from the world. And Bible teaches us that the world's wisdom is as foolishness in comparison to the wisdom of God. And so we're to look around in life. We're to take wise steps, and to do that, we have to look around. Now, the call here is not paranoia. That's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible's not telling us we're to live life worried, stressed out in that sense, where we're just all the time looking for the, the next bad thing to come along. It's, it's not a call to paranoia. It's a call to a life that has a plan and a life that has a purpose. And so we're not to float through life allowing anything that captures our attention to pull us off course we're to know where we're heading, and we're to stay on that course and measure each step of the way. Uh, all of these words in the Bible come from a story. We know that. Our, our words, as they come into being, someone made the word, and there was something that caused that. And I love the idea and in the, in the concept of walking circumspectly. It's the word picture. It tells the story of someone walking on a mountain, and if they stumble, they'll fall off a cliff. And God is telling us here that in the course of life we need to be aware because there are potential pitfalls all around us And so we don't need to be afraid But we need to be wise we need to have a fear of god and when we fear god We don't need to fear anything else We we need to have that awesome respect for the life that god's called us to live and you know I have found in my life that a lot of the tumbles i've taken haven't just been in the pursuit of things that are not good, but it's been in the pursuit of good things, but I've been pursuing good things carelessly, carelessly. Um, this last week, I was able to spend some time with uh, my grandmother, my last grandparent on earth, and uh, I enjoyed that very much. And, and uh, my, my grandfather went to heaven I, maybe six or seven or eight years ago now, and a and, uh, uh, lot, of, lot of memories Uh, That came to my mind and and I was thinking of all those times where granddad and I used to go fishing and if you're here today And you're a granddad what a wonderful uh, privilege you have to invest in the lives of, of these young people don't ever underestimate The role that you can play in the life of a young person for the amount of time that I spent with my granddad, I've got way more memories than you think I should have, and what a what a difference he made in my life. And one of the things my granddad and I did together a lot was we'd go fishing, and uh, we fished in everything you can fish in, but we liked to fish, especially in streams in the Rocky Mountains. And one thing about my granddad, he was just a tremendous fly fisherman, and he could get his hook into places. That you wouldn't think you could get a hook into. And I saw him at times. He'd grab his hook and then grab the line on the pole. And and he'd pull it back and kind of slingshot it in there. He had every trick you can imagine. I remember one time I was fishing with my granddad, and he saw a hole where he thought there was a fish, but it was going to be very hard to get his hook in there, and so he walked out on this log, and and he's trying to get the line in there, and it was absolutely amazing to see how how good he was at this, but you know, as he was going after something that was good, and fish are good, amen? Can I get a witness this morning? Fish are good. They're brain food, and granddad was going after something that was good, but in the course of doing that, he, he, he... placed his foot in a bad spot on the log and granddad went into the river. Now, it's never good to get in freezing cold water when you're not planning on doing that. I remember he lost his glasses and he got banged up a little bit. He wasn't going after something bad. He was going after something good, but his footing wasn't right. Maybe we could say that that he got careless in the pursuit of something good and he took a tumble nonetheless i found in life that we tend to move at times in ways where our steps are not measured and it leads to a lack of forward progress. Sometimes in life we act and then we react and then we overreact without taking into account where are these steps I'm taking leading me in the course of my life. You see, that's why David was very careful the way he talked to God. He prayed it this way in Psalm 25. He said to the Lord, lead me in thy truth. Teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. I love the way David is is approaching the Lord here. He says, Lord, I'll wait right here until I know that the step before me is the step you want me to take. I don't want to be careless. I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to get ahead of your plan for my life. God, I need you to lead me. The steps of a wise person are circumspect. They're looking around. They're walking in a, in a wise way. The steps of the foolish rush ahead, and when we do, we pay a price. Wise people are looking. They see. But I want you to understand there's a principle today. When we are blind-sighted, we inevitably in life will be blind-sighted. Now, from time to time, we all get shocked in life, but if we find a habit in our lives of saying, boy, I didn't see that coming, if that is habitually a statement we're making, what it reveals is we're not being circumspect because blindsidedness in life comes from being blind-sighted. One of the best ways to stay on track is to establish a map for each day of your life established routines, and I'm talking about a daily plan that allows us to to determine what it is that God wants us to do. We've got to take wise steps in the course of life. Here's the second thought we find in the Word of God. We need to redeem the time. Redeem the time. Now, as Paul was writing here, he says it this way. Redeem the time, I love how he adds this, because, well, the days, they're evil. you got to redeem the time because The days in which we're living are evil days. Now, the word redeem is a word that we often associate with our spiritual salvation. And if you're a believer today, you can say, I've been redeemed. And the word redeemed means to be bought back. And if you're a believer, you've been bought back from the slave market of sin, never to live in bondage again. You've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ christ it means to buy back and so paul is saying listen you need to live in a way where you buy back the time now a day is going to be spent we all know that a day once lived it's it's irrevocably in the past but when we redeem a day it means we're living it for a purpose that honors god we're living it for god he said redeem the time redeem the time the time there are a couple words in the Greek language from which we get our Bibles that speak of time. Uh, one of the words would be like, what time is it? What time is it? There's the word time. What time is it? There's another one that's like this. It's time. It's time. You see the difference? One would be, well, what time is it? Talking about maybe the time of day. There's another one that means what time is it in the sense of of an opportunity, uh, of an occasion, of a moment. And it's that word that God the Spirit inspired Paul to write in this letter to the believers in Ephesus. He said, redeem the the moments, the opportunities, the occasions. See that in your life there will be these wonderful opportunities to do something for God. And I want you to see that Paul said that, and then he closed the verse by saying, because the days are evil. They're evil. Did you know no amount of evil can remove the opportunities in your life that can be redeemed for God? I'm going to talk quite a bit about this, but you know, I, I found that a lot of Christians have almost become manic. Things aren't aren't going our way in, in our country. And so we get discouraged and we can get overwhelmed and we think, well, the days are evil. Therefore, you can't live great li- uh, lives for God and you can't raise a family for God. And, and a church that takes a stand on biblical values and preaches the truth, it, it, it just can't be done anymore because the days are evil. And I would say, don't buy into the lies of the devil. The fact of the matter is we need to live lives that will intentionally redeem these opportunities, redeem the time because of the evil that's around us. You can live a great life. I am so excited about this year. I am so excited about this year. I don't know how many years I'm gonna get to live for God. And I'm asking God to do big things in my life. You all would be a little bit nervous if you knew everything I was hoping God would do in the life of our church this year. I'm asking God to do big things, but to hear some Christians talk about how bad things are, And how rapidly things seem to be changing for the worse. And although I agree with many of their assessments, I refuse to be discouraged. The word discouraged means to take courage out of. And I've yet to find a verse in the Bible that says if you're a child of God, you should be void of courage in your life. I don't want to be discouraged. I want to be encouraged. I want to have courage on the inside. I I want to go forward because I know this, God is still in control and we still have opportunities all around us. And what we need to do is seize the year ahead of us and live it for that which is good and that which is godly. And I want to leave this service today and I want you to leave this service today motivated to go out and take on this year for the glory of God because although there's evil around us, there's always an opportunity for the child of God. God to live a life that redeems the opportunities for the glory of God. You say, "Well, Pastor, that, that, that's that's nice and all, but it's not reality." I think if the Apostle Paul would hear, he'd say, "No, I meant exactly what I said." You know, when Paul wrote this letter, he was chained to a Roman guard. The emperor of Rome at that time was a man by the name of of Nero, and he was literally out of his mind. In fact, a short time after this letter was written, Nero burned the the city, the capital city down, just to see it burn. And then he needed a scapegoat, so he blamed the Christians. And Paul was a leader of people of faith. And so a short time after, after that, Paul was beheaded for his faith in Jesus Christ. The city of Ephesus, to which Paul was writing this letter, was a city that was given over to idolatry and heathenism. Yet in this moment, Paul said to them, hey, we've got some great opportunities. We say, Paul, wait a minute. You're chained to a guard. Your life's soon gonna be taken. You're writing to people living in a a place where persecution is there, and and it's a city that's been wholly given over to idolatry. And Paul would say, no, you're missing the point. We've got a great God. We've gotta redeem the time. Hey, get fired up about the life that God has for you. One of my favorite stories is about a shoe company many years ago that wanted to open up a new market in the continent of Africa. So they took one of their best salesmen and they put him on a boat and sent him to Africa. And when the salesman arrived, he looked around and no one was wearing shoes. He thought, how can this be? I'm a great salesman. Uh, I'm a shoe salesman. They send me to a place where nobody wears shoes. So he went to the uh, telegraph office and he sent a a, a note back to his company, bring me home, nobody here wears shoes. And he was so insulted, they would send him to a place like that. Well, the company brought him home, but they got to thinking, you know, there's got to be potential for something to happen there. And. And so they said, rather than taking one of our better salesmen, let's send a new guy, an inexperienced guy. That way, if he fails, we haven't lost much. And and so they sent the inexperienced salesman Africa. He gets off the boat, and he looks around, and again, he sees nobody's wearing shoes. And he, too, immediately goes to the telegraph office, and he sends a telegraph back to his home office, and he says, send more shoes. He said, everybody here is a prospective client. Send more shoes. What was the difference in those two men? One guy was crabby and a downer and everything was wrong and nothing good was going to happen. And one guy said, you know, everywhere I look, it seems like there's an opportunity for something good to happen. It seems as though everybody is a prospect. Now, these are evil days in which we're living. Make no mistake about that. These are evil days in which we're living. But the opportunity to do something good with our lives has then never been greater. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And if you'll live for God, you can have an amazing impact if you'll yield your life to Him. If what I read is correct, 150,000 Americans dropped out of church each week last year. Giving in churches across the board is down. And forgive me, Coastline, I'm going to say this, and I won't stutter uh, so you know exactly what I'm saying. A lack of giving from Christians through their local church is a sign of a lack of love for Jesus Christ and a lack of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what that means when we don't do what the Bible tells us to do. And giving is down. And so, to me, that's a sign of a lack of commitment and devotion from people of faith. Less ministries being done. Resources are needed for ministry. Missionaries are coming home from the mission field more than missionaries are going to the mission field. But to that I say, so let's get busy. Let's love Jesus. Let's give generously. Let's let's seek the will of God and do it with all of our heart. If if there are people that need to know of the gospel, let's tell them. Let's have a series like Creatures of Habit. Let's invite our friends. Let's not sit around and be these, these, these Christians that just wanted to cry how bad everything is, who've never one time told another person how to become a Christian. So I say, all right, these are evil days in which we're living. What should we do? You want to sit down and be bummed out about it? You can do that. Or... We can redeem the time of our life and say, God, I'm going to go down swinging. I want to do everything you've told me to do. I want to live for you with all I've got. I want your divine enabling to help me go places, God. I never could have gone. There's nowhere we can look where there's not a greater need for the gospel. Everyone is a prospect. Our message to God should be, in a sense, send more shoes. God, everywhere I look, there are people that have needs that only you can meet. The word used to refer to the opportunity of time that I mentioned a moment ago has a literal definition. It means toward the port, toward the port. So a time of opportunity comes from a word that means take the ship toward the port, toward the port. The idea is the opportunity is there toward the port. The thought is this, you know, the winds may blow, The winds of adversity may blow, but if we will adjust our sails, we can capture a moment to create a momentum that will help us to make the most of our lives. Abraham in the Old Testament was a man who made the most of his life. Sometimes we'll save somebody, boy, he's really going places. Abraham literally, literally, he really went places. And of his life, we read this in Genesis chapter 12. The Bible says in Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. And here's my message for you today. Go on. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged. Don't back off. Don't back down. Don't quit. Go on. Go somewhere in your life for God this year. Redeem the time. That leads us to the final thought today. Paul would say, you know, in the course of your life, you've got to take wise steps. You've got to redeem the time. And finally, he'd say, then you need to understand and do the will of God. Understand and do the will of God. Listen to how Paul closes this out in in verse 17. He said, wherefore, be ye not unwise. He said, we don't want to live an unwise life, but Rather, he says, live an understanding life, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And this is so encouraging to me. Did you know the Bible is teaching us by way of implication from these words that you can have access to wisdom that can not only reveal the will of God, but can help us know how to accomplish it in our lives? Did you hear what I'm telling you today? That there's a God who's the creator of the universe Who's granting us by his grace wisdom that will enable us not only to know what he wants us to do in life, but wisdom that will enable us to know how to do what he wants us to do in life. And we can wonder well, how can we have the wisdom required to know and do God's will? Let me give you the most obvious answer to that question Pastor, all right, I don't want to walk like a fool this year. I want to walk wise, I want to redeem the time. I want to know God's will and do God's will, but how can I ever know God's will, and how can I know how to do God's will? Here's the most obvious answer, but it's one that's often missed. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Open the Word of God. Read it. Read the Bible. The Bible is the mind of God for us. And as we search the scriptures through daily Bible reading and regular Bible study, we'll find the treasure of God's wisdom. I love the way Proverbs writes about wisdom and wisdom found in God's word. In Proverbs 2, Solomon writing to his son says, my son. If thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Listen, one of the greatest decisions you can make this year is a decision every day to open the Word of God and to read the Word of God. People would say to me, well, pastor, I'm a slow reader. To you, I would say, then read slowly. Open the Word of God and read. If you're a fast reader, read quickly. But we need to be people who open the Word of God and read the Word of God. Another decision would be, I'm going to be faithful to church this year. I'm going to be faithful. A lot has been written and Pew studies have come out this year that church attendance is in decline. And as you parse the numbers, it's not just that fewer people are coming to church, but those that come to church are coming less often. And that has an amazing impact on, on on a lower number of Christians in church each week. Let me tell you something. The church is God's idea. It was established by Jesus Christ and the Bible tells us he started it with the shedding of his own blood one great decision you can make this year is to say you know what i'm going to be in a church that opens the word of god that teaches the word of god that's filled with a bunch of people as nutty as i am who are seeking to do life to the glory of god i'll put myself in the in the institution ordained and created by god for the purpose of nurturing growth and faith another way to have wisdom in life why don't you ask god for it just ask him the Bible is very clear on this, and in James 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, well, let him ask. If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. By the way, you say, well, who lacks wisdom? All of us. So ask God, that giveth to all men liberally, and it braideth not, and it shall be given him. The word ask is synonymous with the word prayer. The word prayer means ask, and Jesus was writing in the Gospel of Matthew, and he said, Ask. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. The Bible is filled with other insights for wisdom. Let me tell you one great example. Wisdom will be seen in the companions that you keep. Wisdom. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, it goes on to say, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. There's something great about our pursuit of God and his will for our lives. And the more we know and the more we do, the Bible says, the more wisdom we gain. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of growing. But we can learn to think more as God would have when we put to practice what we find in the Bible. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, the Bible says, God giveth to man that is good in his sight, wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Good in his sight. As we live the will of God, God says, well, let me tell you what I'll give you, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But in order to live lives that are good in His sight, we need His wisdom to begin with. And so God says, by grace, I'll help you to know what you need to know to do what is good in my sight. And as you do that, you're going to get more wisdom and the process of growth will continue in your life. And so today I say, take heart, be happy, be encouraged, have hearts of joy because we've got a great God. You see, in her prayer, Hannah said this. He, she said, There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Do you believe that today? There's no rock like our God. Elisha proclaimed, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want I'll have lack of nothing, I'll have need for nothing because I've got a shepherd and He's the Lord and because of that I shall not want. Micah said Who's a God like unto thee That pardoneth iniquity And passeth by the transgression Of the remnant of his heritage He retaineth not his anger forever Because he delighteth in mercy He had a hope because of a great God And Jesus promised us in Hebrews 13 That he would never leave us Or forsake us And so today we need to see that praise Needs to precede our progress I want you to join me in standing today And we sang a song as the sermon began That talks about the value of praise the name of our God and I want us to sing this song together today